Thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday here on this Thursday, July the 8th. Now, amidst growing calls for a provincial state of emergency, as we see more than 200 wildfires currently burning throughout the province of BC, the NDP government has yet to make the declaration that a state of emergency is of use at this time. So not knowing when the wildfires will get worse, a state of emergency could help heighten public awareness and provide additional tools to be better prepared. So how can the declaration of a state of emergency make a difference in the lives of British Columbians facing wildfire dangers, as well as those emergency responders who are doing what they can to help protect us all? Well, let me bring on now a former Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General and current BC Liberal Prince George Area MLA, Mike Morris. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing well in all this smoke. Yeah, yeah we're all just trying our best to uh, breathe as fresh as possible, but uh, it's been a little bit difficult these days. Is that uh, the same experience you're having up in Prince George right now? Yeah, we've got a lot of smoke drifting in from fires up in the Chapel area here, not too far from Prince George, but uh, there's no settlements in danger uh, right now that I'm aware of, so... Well, that's definitely a, a good news story for now, and ho hopefully it stays that way. I'll, I'll knock on wood and cross my fingers here for that. All right, Mike, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, a state of emergency and, and how things would, would make a difference. I mean, many have been wondering why the province has not called one. And before we get to the you know, NDP's you know, lack of a decision to go that route, I wanted to just start by, by asking you know, how a state of emergency would help. How would it actually make a difference as we continue to, to really worry and, and keep our, our, our senses heightened as a result of these wildfires that are burning so close to us here in the uh, interior of B.C.? Yeah, I guess the biggest uh, um, uh, thing that I would say, and it's based on my own experience being involved in various emergencies over my life in the RCMP, but but by a, a declaring a state of emergency, it also comes with that as an order in council that allows um, the, the folks that are running these emergencies, the, the, the fire bosses and whoever is involved there, to bypass the steps of bureaucratic uh, approvals that are needed under the current regular legislation. So it gives them a lot of confidence being able to get their job done without uh, any interference from, uh, from other offices and other bureaucratic processes. So that, that to me is a big one. But it also provides a the ability for those directors and, and those people that are working in the emergency operations centers to reach out and get any resource they need to fight that fire. And then, you know, if they, and, and to, to go on to private property, to, uh, to do anything that they need to do to get the job done. And that, you know, that, that, that's a big confidence builder when you have somebody that's trying to organize things and fight a fire. Uh, if he's got those tools in his tool bag, him or her, um, then, the, you know, the job can get done. Our resources in BC are stretched to the max right now. I've heard the, the minister talk about the numbers, 2,700 firefighters and uh, 100 and some aircraft out there, but it doesn't take long to use up the resources. The other part of it is there's no downside to declaring an emergency. You know, declare the emergency, get the job done, be prepared for anything. And like you said in your introduction, it gives people in British Columbia the confidence that government has things well in hand and uh, that they know that uh, all the needs are going to be looked after here. So, uh, you know, th that's a big part of it, too. Well, I think one of the things that has a lot of people riled up in our area uh, was, was how long it took to get a fire ban put in place, right? A campfire ban didn't come into place until Canada Day, and yet... 
you know, it was two, three, four days before that where we started to see temperatures creep up above 40 degrees. And in some places like Lytton, as we all know, it got up to almost 50 degrees. And I think that has people a little bit more on edge. The fact that it took so long to see that come into place. And now we're kind of left wondering, well, if, if, it, if you didn't learn from that lesson, why are you not calling a state of emergency now? Yeah, no, you're, you're very correct. Like all, all the indicators are there. Uh, we had that uh, that drastic uh, high heat here not too long ago that dried things out. We've got ongoing uh, high temperatures right across the province. We've had uh, lightning strikes. Uh, we with The weather forecast is for more of the same kinds of lightning strikes and high winds, uh, higher temperatures next week. So all the indicators are there. We've had Kamloops uh, has faced evacuation orders, Castlegar. We've had Lytton destroyed. We've had a number of communities that uh, are on evacuation alert or have been evacuated. And yet government sits by on their hands thinking that everything is well in hand without having to declare an emergency. And the other part of it, quite frankly, uh, that I'm quite surprised at, is the minister says that he takes his direction from from Emergency Management BC. Well, we do have professionals in there, and we have professionals in the BC Wildfire Service, but ultimately the call is the responsibility of the minister. He can't abrogate that responsibility. It's clear in the act, if there's an emergency or an emergency is imminent, he can call a uh, state of emergency. Uh, I wanted to go back to one of the things you mentioned off the top and how a state of emergency would allow emergency responders to be able to uh, you know, kind of bypass some of the, the red tape that would be involved in, in you know, making requests or, or getting materials and resources in place. What are some of those steps, I guess, that are having to be followed now that, that could be bypassed? One of the things you did mention was being able to access private property, you know, without having to get any kind of permission from the property owner. Obviously, that's something that makes a huge difference if, if a fire is, you know, imminently threatening that, threatening that property. But what other kinds of, um, you know, examples do you have for what could be avoided in order to speed up the process? Yeah, well, getting the permission part of it. So, you know, as with anything in government, there's a bureaucratic process to go through to get permission to do just about anything, to evacuate people, to, uh, you know, to evacuate animals, to procure uh, pumps and equipment and or spend money, period. Uh, so there's a, there's a process to go through. And a declaration of emergency will eliminate that process and, uh, and allow the, the fire bosses or the people in emergency management BC to do whatever they need to do at the end of the day to get the job done. And, you know, this government, you know, they've added 200,000 more public service employees since they've taken government. Uh, it is heavy with bureaucracy. And uh, it gets bogged down in bureaucracy. I've heard stories of of, uh, uh, of equipment ready to go to work, and uh, but because they don't have the right permissions from whoever signs off on that particular uh, line item, um, the equipment just sat there while the force is burning around them. So we can't have that. We need people, uh, yeah, and there are people, ready and able to get to work right now. You would think if they added that many extra employees, it would be easier to see things getting onto the desks of those that matter, shouldn't it? I mean, that many extra bodies should make things quicker, I would think. <laughs> well, you would think so, but... Uh, you know, with with the protocols in place uh, in the government bureaucracies and collective agreements, because uh, the majority of those new positions are uh, are union employees as well. Uh, oftentimes, what I found is that collective agreements get in the way of these kinds of things as well. Um, why do you think there has been such a um, lack of of desire to call a state of emergency so far? And you know, I look at uh, the Thompson Nicola Regional District. They held kind of an emergency board meeting on 
on Monday, I believe it was, to, to talk about the possibility of, of asking or urging the province to declare a state of emergency. They overwhelmingly voted against that. I think one of the things that was uh, talked about a lot around that particular table was that it wouldn't make sense to call a state of emergency for the entire province of BC when the majority of the issues seem to be coming in like the, the central interior here right now. Uh, and there was concerns about tourism and having uh, an SOE in place might uh, deter people from coming here and that would have an impact on the tourism sector. But do you have any other thoughts as to why the government has been so hesitant? Uh, you know, I, I can't figure it out. I've sat in that chair before and uh, we would have called an emergency uh, long before before now under the circumstances and you know when we when we do see you know one of the factors that that will concern me or does concern me is you know we've had people confined to their homes now for well over a year because of COVID-19 and now that the restrictions have been lifted I see a lot of them have done what I would have done is, is head off into the back country and 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 sit on some lake somewhere and go camping and do whatever they need to do but with the dryness of the of the province here, that might put them in jeopardy if a lightning strike takes place, or and it might uh, there might only be one way in and one way out of that. The other part of this that that I'm concerned about is the provincial resources that we have. If we've got 2,700 firefighters on the scene right now that are working on active fires, how many of them are are being held in reserve, if any? Uh, how many of our aircraft are being held in reserve? I know, uh, you know, I live close to the Prince George Airport here, and I can see our water bombers uh, coming and going on a very regular basis. They're being very busy up here. Um, how many do we have left, and how many do we need to be brought in here? So uh, they, they, there is no reason in my mind uh, to delay calling a state of emergency. Uh, like I said, there's no downside to it. So they should be calling it and getting the resources in place and putting the authorities in place for the people on the job to do the job they need. Do you have any nervousness about uh, waiting so long and, and, you know, what happens if one is eventually called but it might be too late? Yeah, I do. You know, and, and again, it stems from my uh, time in the RCMP, uh, dealing with emergencies most of my life here. You always err on the side of caution. Don't put it off. Err on the side of, side of caution and, and get the job done. Put everything in place that needs to be done. At the end of the day, if you don't need those resources, then you can redeploy them and send them back. But, uh, uh, you know, under circumstances that we have right now, we're early into summer. We've got high temperatures forecast for the foreseeable future. We have lightning strikes. Uh, you know, all the elements are there uh, to lead to a significant catastrophic event. Well, I certainly hope we don't get there, but uh, the the ingredients sure seem to be there for that to be the case. So we'll we'll uh, we'll hope to see one called soon. If that uh, you know will make a significant difference, then you know I, I I hope we see something happen and some action taken. But uh, I really do appreciate your time, Mike. Thank you so much for this. Um, I guess any, anything else to add while I have you here? No, nope, we'll keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully, government will wake up and see the value in declaring this and uh, get the job done. All right. Well, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate you doing this. And uh, stay safe up there, okay? You bet. Take care, Jeff. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. That is uh, BC Liberal Party MLA for Prince George, Mike Morris, former uh, Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General here uh, as well. So my thanks to Mike for joining the program and talking a little bit more about a state of emergency and the differences that it would make. Um, I think the main takeaway that I have from from what Mike was saying is basically there's no reason not to call one. Because like when I talked to um, the Thompson Nicola Regional District and uh, Al Rain, uh, mayor of Sun Peaks, we had on the line. 
couple of days ago when they decided not to uh, make the call for a state of emergency. Obviously, the, the regional district doesn't have that authority, but they could put forward a motion to ask that one be called at the provincial level, and they overwhelmingly decided, no, they wouldn't be going ahead with that because it didn't feel like, A, it had the jurisdiction to do so, which was obvious, but B, they were worried about the fact that this seems to be a, a more of a, a centralized problem for us here in this area, in the central interior, um, as opposed to something that should be called province-wide. And when they're calling a state of emergency, that would infect the entire province. There was concerns about the tourism sector. There was concerns about the impact it could have on other areas of the province that aren't dealing with the fire situation because, yeah, it's been hot and fiery here, but say on Vancouver Island, I mean, they're not dealing with these same issues at all. So it does, it does, uh, you know, have a bit of a, uh, a give and take. You got to wonder what necessarily the right call would be. Uh, but what Mike is saying is there's really no reason not to call. One. I'll leave it at that.